Welcome to another edition of the A-List Podcast. This is your host, Ashra Blakely, and today we have quite the treat, my friends. We have our good friend, Sam Amick, with the Athletic Senior NBA Writer. And Sam, we're just going to, you know, we're, this is a little bit different for our audience because they're used to Sherrod and my co-host, Kwani. But she is having some flight issues, which okay. to me is like, Great, because that means more time for me to talk and flatten my gums. So uh, Kwani's loss is my gain, and your arrival is definitely the gain for our audience. And Sam, we're just going to jump right into it and just start talking about the trade deadline. And the, the question on the minds of, of Celtics fans, certainly, is Danny going to do a deal this year? <laughs> Sharon, first of all, thank you for having me. I haven't seen you in a minute. I hope you're holding up okay, brother. You, you look good. And, and apologies to, I didn't know we were going viewing audience today. This is the trade deadline week, grunge special, so I'm coming casual with it. Um, As I, yeah, I. You, You're rocking the cues. <laughs> I feel like I should shout out the, the TNT folks who gave me the free swag here that I'm, that I'm showcasing. But listen, we all know your audience more than, you know, any other kind of fan base. That the Danny, is he going to do it, is he not game is, is something that has kind of taken on a life of its own. And it's not just in Boston. Now it's around the NBA with other teams even kind of shrugging and at times rolling their eyes going, oh, okay, the Celtics have, you know, 15 more guys that they're going to go add. Um, you know, like always, we'll see. Now, if you would have caught me last night, I was really starting to think that this Aaron Gordon thing was going to heat up today and, and who knows, maybe even go down today. And And I would still put him at the front of the line in terms of, you know, what, what seems most possible, you know, I've written about the Harrison Barnes stuff that doesn't seem real probable. The Kings are, are holding on to him. Uh, I was told that the Celtics are, are uh, somewhat out on the John Collins pursuit, that there's some concern about, you know, the fact that he's going to cost a lot of money this off season. So Gordon has been my focus. And, and I would say this, like the one change, and I'm curious to get your read on this in terms of Danny and the Celtics kind of, the mood that they normally have this time of year is, is you're kind of sensing, at least from other teams, that the level of motivation and the, the pressure that's been applied to the situation is such that, that maybe it does finally get it over the finish line because 500 team roughly that is used to being in the conference finals with, you know, now young guys who are used to being on all-star teams and they want to win, you know, and, and a lot of angst and a lot of stress and pressure that I do think is, is kind of, you know, working its way up into the front office. And I'm, I'm dying to see what Danny does. Yeah. It, it's a little bit different this year, Sam, because in the past, when the trade deadline came up, the Celtics record wise were still among the top tier teams in the East. And so there was less a sense of, we need to make a change so we can get better as opposed to, we need to make a change to maybe get over the hump, which Danny then right. says, nah, we're good with our guys. We got this year, right. 500 team, I, 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 it's it's hard to imagine that Thursday at 3.01 p.m. that the Boston Celtics will look identical then as they do now. Uh, I, I just right. think that there is greater motivation for Danny to get a deal done. He has a ginormous, you know, trade chip with that, that you know, that player exception with the Gordon Hayward uh, sign and trade with Charlotte to play with. Plus he's got the minor ones, you know, he got like another $5 million exception for Ennis Cantor, 2.6 million for, you know, Vincent Poirier. So he's got some multi-level options that he can use and not have a significant impact 
on on this roster. But you know, with the trade player exception, as you know, they're hard capped out. So even right. if it's worth twenty eight and a half million, they can't right. use all that money uh, out there. And John Collins on, on many levels would make sense. But Aaron Gordon, when you look at the type of players that Danny is building as part of his core, Aaron Gordon kind of fits the profile in many respects. And I know you and, and Jared Weiss, you guys, as you mentioned, you guys wrote about that for The Athletic. And I'm just curious in your reporting, what are the kind of assets that teams or specifically the Orlando Magic are looking for if they're going to part ways with Aaron Gordon, who from what, from everything I've heard, their asking price is pretty steep. It is steep. Uh, and like, you know, and listen, Matt Moore at the Action Network put out a story yesterday about multiple first round picks being on the table from Boston. That's my understanding as well. And it seems like the one part that is, is still in flux, potentially, as far as the, the possible framework, is the Marcus Smart, you know, inclusion or, or lack of inclusion. And, and that ties into what, Sherrod, you're talking about with the trade exception and the size of it and where they're at with the hard cap where, you know, one way around that and to use, you know, almost all of that exception is to send a guy like Marcus out, you know, with his salary. Now, Celtics fans hear that. You got a lot of affection for Marcus. Ah! (laughs) I mean, I saw, I mean, I wish I could credit this tweet. I just saw a tweet from a a media person that said something like, you know, trading any deal that includes Marcus Smart going out and Aaron Gordon coming in, uh, you know, is, is grounds for relocation of the Celtics. So, I mean, this is a, this is a hot topic. And I wonder, though, and you're a lot closer to it than I am, I, like I love Marcus as a player and enjoy the hell out of him as, as a person, you know, from a media standpoint. But there's a lot of history there, and he runs really hot, and his intensity has been a real, you know, part of their fabric. But you do occasionally hear noise that, you know, maybe they're looking to turn, kind of turn a new page. And, and that's where other teams are getting excited because Marcus has value on the market, and he's the kind of guy that – that can, you know, fit into a lot of elite cultures. Um, but, you know, for the, the magic, you're talking about those picks, you know, that's what they're looking at. And if I had to guess, I think there's probably a lot of haggling going on in real time about the protections on the picks. You know, is it going to be two straight first? Is it going to be a first and a second? And the idea that Boston was pursuing and, and is still believed to be pursuing not only Aaron, but Evan Fournier, uh, in this kind of in this situation as well is big because it's it's obviously that would require I think Marcus going out and if you talk about kind of reputation and personality the fans are going to look at that and go wait a minute like Marcus Smart and and what he stands for and then Evan Fournier who kind of just kind of floats with the wind and plays great one day not so great the next day and he's not going to get into anybody's backside uh, competitively so I'm dying to see what happens. Um, Denver's still in the mix, 100%. You know, the difference with Denver is, is kind of fascinating because you talk about the past years with Boston and Danny's normal kind of mood. That's very much how Denver is right now. They have the luxury of being 25 and 17 and feeling like we got an MVP candidate, we have an all-star caliber wing. And then we have a, a young rising star that they still, they think he is a, a budding superstar. So they feel like they got a trio and then, you know, can they add a guy like Aaron who really for as much focus as we, we talk about Aaron's offensive side way too much. Aaron's defense has everything to do with why he's got a market here because the nuggets look at it as Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, like they need another body like Aaron to go help them on that side. So 
Um, I think it's those two teams, and if a move's going to happen, I think it'll be one of the two. Yeah, and, and the other thing about Aaron Gordon that I, I think, you know, people don't really think about or talk about is you look at the kind of personnel that he has been surrounded by in Orlando, and that's not conducive to a guy being a good scorer, particularly when you're talking about someone who has to rely on others to get him the ball, to recognize where he can be effective. He really hasn't had a, a top-tier point guard that he's played with uh, you right. know, since he's been down there. And I'm just curious what he would look like with a team that had, frankly, better talent, more guys who understand the importance of ball movement and facilitation and things of that nature. Uh, he's an interesting prospect. No, no, there's no question about it. But when I look at the Celtics team, Marcus Smart, we've talked about, uh, you know, and we, the guy that is starting to get more talk is Mr. Robert Williams III. And just what, what are some of the things you're hearing about him? And are there some other guys on this Celtics roster besides the two Jays that, that teams are kind of excited and interested, at least to kind of, kind of poke the bear and see if there's something there? Honestly, I, to me, it would be Robert and to a lesser degree, you know, Payton, just because shooting being what it, what it is in this league, you know, and he's had some pretty good moments in, in his rookie year, but it's not a lot. Like that's the thing that, that I learned through the course of the past few weeks and trying to track some of the Celtics stuff was that like, if you go back to the, the Barnes situation, mm -hmm. I had written a whole thing that admittedly was very much skewed, like from the Celtics side and their perspective. Mm -hmm. And then it was like on the back end, even though ironically I live, as you know, near Sacramento, right. You know, then I kind of doubled back and it was like, wait a minute, hold the phone. The Kings are not as eager to get rid of Harrison as we thought. And not only that, my understanding is they're not, you know, really all that interested in, in any of the Celtics young pieces in terms of like, you know, the type of guy that's going to move the needle for them. And I think that's where Danny's in a tricky spot because, you know, once you get past the picks, uh, then, you know, you're, you're kind of having to do a sales job with some of these young guys, but Robert for sure has, has, you know, put himself in a spot where, you know, his reputation's gotten better. The respect is coming and there's going to be a market there. And anytime you got a guy with multiple years left on a rookie deal and that kind of controlled cost with actual production, that's huge because as you know, Sherrod, it's like the way the CBA is built now, you know, you got 70 to 80% of the money going to the superstars on every single team. And then you got to get real creative around the edges. And if you can have any kind of impact player on a, on a low number like that, that's a really, really big deal. Yeah, no question. And NBA teams certainly are looking to get as much bang for their buck as they can. And we here at the A-List podcast, we like to get a lot of bang for our buck. And the place to go to do that is betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You know, the NFL season, we've got free agency, and there's a lot of talk about that, but this is all about the college and NBA games right now. When you talk about the NCAA tournament, you talk about NBA teams trying to build their rosters up to make a deep playoff run, and let's not forget about the NHL is in swing as well. BetOnline has you covered for all that, and then some with covers award shows, uh, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can possibly imagine bet online has you covered for all that and then some so head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts and don't forget the uh discount code clns50 to get your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts now 
one of the things that we like to do, Sam, around here is we like to play games. Uh, and I got a game for you. And the game is called Pick and Roll. Now, here's the, here, here are the rules. Uh, you'll, give, you'll be given two options. You pick one of them and explain why you are rolling with that pick. Okay? Now, got you. neither of these scenarios can be done straight up. We know that. But a deal centered around Rob Williams for Atlanta's John Collins or a deal centered around Marcus Smart for, let's say, Lonzo Ball. Which deal are you doing if you're the Boston Celtics? If I am Danny Ainge and uh, and I got Mike Zarin over in the shadows over here, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for the Marcus Smart, Lonzo Ball deal. And I already kind of hinted at why. I, I could be wrong, but I do right now feel like there's noise and smoke around Marcus that in terms of like taking a pulse on the dynamic between a player and an organization, I feel like it's going towards that direction of, him being a guy that eventually will be on the way out. But more importantly, uh, we, we just hit on Robert Williams and everything that comes with that kind of impact at a low number. The, you know, to go get John Collins, he's a fantastic player, but you're going to have a similar problem to what the Hawks are facing right now, where he turned down a $90 million extension mm. last offseason and is widely known to see himself as a max player. So then it becomes, we like John Collins, but do we like him at that kind of a number? And then the question becomes, what's your ceiling? And, and are you going to lock yourself into a situation where you're maybe a second round playoff team every year, but that's as far as you're going to go with Lonzo. Now the numbers are not that drastically different, but my understanding is that, you know, as he goes into, he's got one year left on his rookie year that he's looking, uh, he could be extended this off season, like 20 million a year, roughly is kind of what his people are putting out there in terms of cost. That's not a terrible number. You know what I mean? Like it's a little high because Lonzo's had a lot of down moments in his young career, but the defensive playmaking, the improved shooting and the ability to play off the ball and play, I think, well with guys like Jalen and Jason, I think that could be good. And you have a really versatile perimeter attack and, and then just keep trying to find a way to fortify that front court, hold on to a guy like Robert Williams. So I am making that pick or the role, whichever one you want me to do, Sherrod, but but that's my trade. Well, full disclosure, I absolutely love Marcus Smart to death. Uh, I have loved him going all the way back to when he was, you know, getting in the faces of guys at Oklahoma State. Uh, right. When, you know, he was a face of Oklahoma State, not Cade Cunningham. And right. as much as I love Marcus, I probably would do the same deal. Uh, Robert Williams is a young unicorn in many respects guys that big that long that athletic you start canvassing the nba landscape you don't see them and to have him in a situation where you have him under a controlled contract that even when it comes time to do an extension he's not going to demand john collins kind of money yet his impact could be comparable not statistically but in terms of impact as much right. if not greater and then you look at lonzo ball to your point, 20 million a year for Lonzo. If you think about 20 million a year for him at the age he's at now, 20 million or so a year for Marcus Smart where he's at, that's it, it becomes pretty clear that Lonzo is probably the safer bet going forward. Now, am right. I going to cringe with it if that deal went down? Absolutely. Uh, because right. my fear with Marcus Smart, and I think part of this is, is, is in the back of Danny's mind, is you may very well be looking at Tony Allen 2.0. 
And that is when they didn't meet Tony Allen's financial demands and what he wanted to do money-wise, he left. Not only did he leave and create more opportunities for himself, he became a movement in Memphis. Right. I mean, right. that franchise has That's been fair. forever changed since he once he, he arrived there. And I get this feeling that if Marcus Smart is paired with a Brandon Ingram, a Zion Williamson, you got the young a big from Texas at the center spot, uh, right. and, and you start going down the, the list of really good players, you add an elite defender on the wing to that mix who is going to have a domino effect on those other guys playing a little bit harder than they probably do right now. All of a sudden, you've got the you've got a team out west that isn't just going to be pretty good. You've got a team out West that's going to be competing at the top of the food chain. For Marcus Smart, it would mean a greater, more enhanced role and, and certainly more money. And for the Celtics, as much as I think Lonzo can help them, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to give them the impact that Smart does. And, and again, I don't think him and, Mar him and Marcus, I think, are very different players. But I always come back to impact. And I'm not sold on him elevating his play to where he can be comparable from an impact standpoint, which means Tatum, Brown, Kimball, Robert, one of those guys is going to have to take their game to an even higher level. Um, so right. those are my big concerns about doing that deal. But I hate to I think, agree with you, you on that one, Sam, but I do. I know, man. I was going to say, though, you got me thinking. The Tony Allen comp is really interesting. And I got to be a little careful to not think in my mind that, that Marcus is older than he is. I mean, this guy's in the prime. I just cheated and looked at my phone real quick. He's 27 years old. Right. You know, and, I mean, it's, you're, you are. You're potentially, you know, parting ways. Your best years. Yeah. In his prime. Now, the tricky part is I'm a, I'm a sucker for the human component, the locker room stuff and all that. And it's like you also have a fair amount of baggage. And I'm not saying that only in a negative way, but just history yeah. with Marcus and this environment and he is so competitive I think sometimes what you see is if, if guys who are that competitive you know are kind of giving it their all every day of the week and it's not going where they want it to go after two three four years you know can they can you keep that connectivity together and can you avoid having the kind of you know kind of darkness over that group that sometimes kind of leads teams to getting derailed and, and that's stuff that only Marcus knows but I mean I was in the bubble during the playoffs and, and covered real closely you know when he wasn't happy about things after that one playoff game and, and had, had the locker room blow up and you know he is a dude who runs hot and I think 80 90 percent of the time it's for the betterment of the team and then other times it's too much and you know that's where we're never going to really know kind of how that's looking internally right now unless you you give Jason and Jalen and Brad and Danny and all them some truth serum and have them tell you, but you know, you're, you could be right. I mean, the Tony Allen 2.0 thing is, is really fascinating. Yeah. I, I wish I would have thought of this before, like, like a, a round Robin between Tony Allen and Marcus Smart, who wins that head to head, but that we'll save that for another day. Hey, I, I, I got to jump in with this before we move on. Did you, this is not on topic, but did you, I assume you saw the Tony Allen Draymond Green back and forth today. I heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. If the listeners and the viewers didn't see it, Draymond Green declared himself the best defender in, in the history of the NBA. Uh, Tony Allen jumped in and said, you know, he's calling cap on it and, and says, you know, who stamped you? And, and then Draymond hits him with, you know, I was waiting on you to stamp me, but, but, you know, we used you in, in that one playoff series on route to my first championship. And so, uh, you know, it is what it is, but 
I just, I, that kind of back and forth, uh, you got to love social media sometimes. That's back in the old days, Sherrod, we didn't get this. No, no, we didn't. But I, I will say this, though. When the late Kobe Bryant is asked who was the best defender on you, and he says Tony yeah. Allen without hesitation, yeah. Sorry, Draymond, you're a great defender, but yeah. when the Black Mamba is giving Tony Allen that stamp of approval, I kind of got to lean towards Tony on that. First team all defense. Exactly. <laughs> we got one more game for you, uh, and, and this one is, is called uh, Fill the Lane, and it's basically I will give you a statement, and you will fill in the blank within that because you're filling the lane, okay? Here we go. Blank really needs to get a deal done at the trade deadline if they are truly going to be one of the last teams standing. I promise you I'm not saying this because I'm on a Celtics spot. I think the answer is Boston. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, try, I thought about this, and I'm thinking the Clippers come to mind, mm -hmm. so maybe they're a close second. They feel pretty good about their group. I don't know if I believe them, but they claim they feel really good about their group you know, um, and that the bubble had all kinds of negative impacts on their chemistry. You know, you know, the, the rest of the story, Montrez Harrell out, right. um, you know, Serge Ibaka in guys like that. Uh, Nicholas Batum has been really good. So they've kind of made their moves. And if I, I thought about picking them, but it's like they've made their moves and now they're being patient to see if they pay off. I don't think they're going to, to get in on Kyle Lowry. I, they, maybe they get a playmaker, a George Hill, somebody like right. that. But with Boston, it, I mean, it just feels like everything is getting ratcheted up right now. I mean, Brad Stevens is having to face questions about going to Indiana. Well, that wouldn't be happening if they were, you know, winning at a 70 or 80% clip. Um, you know, Danny, you hear stuff. Danny is just widely known as like, Mr. Cool as a Cucumber, right? Like, nothing phases him just kind of you know making his way through life and and now for the first time you hear little kind of stories about ah danny's danny's a little tight you know and he knows how important this time is so you know i don't know what the the exact stakes are if they don't make a move that helps but you got two all-stars who are a couple years away from free agency you know in i think 2024 and 2025 mm -hmm. and brown and tatum and it's, it's a lot. And you can't have the momentum go, you know, if you need to take a pause to rebuild a little bit on the fly and then get back in the game, fine. But if you regress then too much, then you have all these talented you know, players that, that you've been able to get your hands on. You've got those guys wanting out, wanting other situations. And so I do think there's a lot of pressure on Boston to get something done. Yeah. And I, I, and again, I, I, my first thought was to look at a team like Utah, who has a lot of pieces that I love, but they seem to kind of hit this little dip. And I don't know whether it's just a blip in the road or whether it's just, you know, flaws within their structure that, that are being exposed. But to your point, Boston is the eighth. Are they the eighth best team in the Eastern Conference? Their record says they are. Right. Their right. roster and their players make you feel, no, they're, they're not that bad. And I think Danny, he's got to figure out what kind of stimulus package can I put together to get this team back revved up, get my basketball right. economy going. Uh, it and, better be more than 2,200 bucks, Sherrod. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because if we're talking 2,200 bucks, we have nothing done, <laughs> nothing accomplished. 
But I, I think he's trying to figure that out. And that trade player exception is, again, it's the big chunk out there. Um, but, man, I, I my gut just keeps coming back to Danny doesn't do anything this time of year. And when we look back at the Isaiah Thomas deal back in 2015, which was the last significant movie made at the deadline, I remember being in, in out west with Danny talking about 90 minutes before the deadline, and they didn't have anything done. And then right. with, literally within the last hour, Ryan McDonough, former assistant GM at the Celtics, who at the time was the GM of the Suns, decided to relent and, and give up Isaiah Thomas for like, I think it was like a, a future first round pick that turned out to be uh, the uh, Scal LaBeast, the kid from Kentucky. Um, yep, Scal LaBeastia. Yeah, him and also Marcus Thornton, who was, was just kind of basically, you know, kind of got the easy pass through Boston where he just came in, stopped for a second and was moved on to Phoenix. And that was a deal that Danny didn't feel all that great about getting done because it, it happened at the last hour. So right. I get the sense that if, if they're going to get a deal done, it's going to kind of go down like that, where Danny is going to just pretty much figure this is just going to be another year. And then the Hawks are going to say, OK, we'll take that future first round pick this year and two years from now and the trade exception and we'll give you John Collins. Or it'll be something that will be a pleasant surprise that the Celtics were hoping would happen, but weren't all that comfortable and confident would happen. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Along those lines, I, I, I agree with you for sure. And I would, this is shameless uh, self-promotion, but you made me think of a story I wrote last year. And to your point about deals happening at the last minute, I did, it's one of my favorite stories I've done during trade deadline season. I talked to three executives on the record just about, kind of their most memorable moments this time of year well one of them was Mike Zarin of the Celtics and and Mike if you go back and read that story he tells all kinds of stories about you know I think he talks about the Isaiah Thomas trade and all these other deals that come together at the very last minute I mean you're talking buzzer beaters where they're you know they're hoping the NBA you know let, lets them in five seconds late type of stuff so right. you know that's the stuff as much as we cover this real closely we still don't get that on the other side here you know, the boards are up. They got all the scenarios charted out. You know, they're working through 50 different things and, and then, you know, trying to figure out what's going to advance your franchise. And, and so uh, for sure, I think uh, Thursday is going to be a busy day. Yes, absolutely. And, and along that whole self-promotion thing, Sam, we are shameless with our guests when it comes <laughs> to self-promotion. So if there's anything you want to promote, by all means, go at it. Because we, we, thank again, you, my friend. We're, we have absolutely no hesitations or reservations about doing that. Appreciate you. So uh, Sam Amick, senior NBA writer with The Athletic. Check out his stuff. Uh, good, good, great content as far as the trade deadline and beyond with different NBA topics and subjects that he's covered. A longtime veteran NBA reporter. We go way back to when I was in Detroit. He was in Sacramento. Uh, different kind of Kings team that you covered back then. Certainly different Pistons team that I see out there now. Uh, sure. We're both kind of growing up a little bit, so. We have, man. You look good, though. Happy for you. Keep doing your thing. Thanks for having me, Sherrod. No problem. Thank you, Sam. Sam Amick, Senior NBA Writer with The Athletic. Thanks so much for your time, my friend. Thank you, brother. And there you have it, Sam Amick of The Athletic. Lots of good stuff there. The, the Celtics and their interest in Aaron Gordon is very real. Uh, and, and, and certainly, just based on some of Sam's reporting and some of the other reports that you hear out there, uh, the, the, his team, you know, um, the Orlando Magic are certainly giving some thought 
to what they want to do, if anything, with Aaron Gordon, as well as some of the other guys uh, that, that they're interested in. And the Celtics, uh, again, their historical past tells you that they normally don't do much, if anything at the trade deadline, haven't made a significant addition since Isaiah Thomas back in 2015. But this is a different time, different era. And certainly when you look at the record of the Celtics and the rest of the Eastern Conference, these are very different times for the green team. But, you know, we shall find out soon enough whether the Celtics will stand pat or make a play for a big time player like Aaron Gordon, who could certainly come in and help them inch a little bit closer to that top tier in the Eastern Conference. And don't forget, Make sure when you get a chance, subscribe to betonline.ag and, and check out all the different bonuses and, and benefits of, of working with the best in the game when it comes to online betting and things of that nature. Betonline.ag is your place to be if you're trying to get into the betting game, whether it's NBA, college basketball, whatever you, you're interested in. Award shows, yes, they, they do that as well. Reality TV, all over that. Uh, this is Ashra Blakely for the A-List Podcast signing out. See you later.